Welcome to the DermVet Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist practicing in Portland, Oregon with animal dermatology clinics. I'm also a mom of two, just trying to find the balance like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. What do you do when you see a dog and the ear canal is completely swollen shut? And you know the type of case I am talking about. The one where you can't get an otoscope down into that ear. You are lucky if you can get a Q-tip down into that ear. What do you do in those cases? And there's lots of different steps that we can take here. You know, of course, the first step is going to be we're going to get a history and look at the patient just from a basic standpoint. Is it both ear canals that are completely swollen shut? Is it just one ear canal that is swollen shut? Does this dog have a history of chronic ear infections that tend to flare during certain times of the year? Is this dog 10 and has never had an ear infection ever in its life and all of a sudden it has a unilateral otitis? These history questions really matter for us to really start thinking of differentials of why the ear canal is swollen in the first place so that we can have a discussion with the owner and set up realistic expectations over how they want to pursue. Now, looking at the ear canal, and I know I've talked about this time and time again, but if you look at the ear canal and it is swollen shut, the first thing we need to do is palpate that ear canal. It is so important, more important to me, whether, you know, the ear canal has a little bit of an entrance open or not is the pliableness, pliability, I guess would be the better word of that ear canal. Why is that important? That is going to be my prognostic indicator of whether I have a chance to medically save that ear or not. So if I palpate that ear, and again, I know I've said this time and time again on the podcast, but if I palpate that ear canal and it is hard as a rock. I am not saving that ear canal. You can put it on a bunch of steroids. It is probably not going to do much. It might provide some relief. Um, And I've had to do that in rescue cases where we can pursue something like surgery. But if it is completely calcified, hard as a rock, then we cannot reverse that. And so they are just better off no matter what the reason is pursuing a surgical consult if it's something that is feasible for that owner so that we can make that dog really comfortable and feel good. But let's say we grab the canal and, you know, maybe there's a little bit of calcification, but for the most part, it is pliable. Then it really depends for me. Sometimes if I can get a Q-tip down that ear canal to some degree, I'll still get a cytology, obviously, and kind of evaluate what type of infection we have, whether it's cocci, rods, yeast, or everything. Um, Sometimes if it is so swollen and uncomfortable for that pet, I do nothing but send them home on steroids for a week or two weeks and then have them come back because the reality is that ear canal is swollen shut, that that pet is not going to allow a bunch of ear medication to be put into the ear. They're going to be painful. They're going to be painful if I try to sedate and shove a scope in that ear too. They're going to learn people being by my head is bad. And then we are going to struggle to treat that pet even for this active infection or for life when we have something like a chronic allergic case that has recurrent otitis. So we just have to think about what our wants versus needs are in that situation. And, you know, I love managing these cases fear-free. And so what is a want versus a need? Like I'd like, I want a cytology, but my need is relief in opening that ear canal up. One, so I can get a better sample. 
too, so I can visually look into that ear canal and hopefully get a better idea of what's going on. But three, for the comfort of that pet and so that we can be successful with our treatment. So look at it, decide, is this something where it's completely swollen shut? I am not going to be able to really get a great sample or the pet is not gonna go on topical medications anyway. Okay, let's go home on some oral steroids if we can so we can control the dosing, that's my preference, and then have them come back. You know, and I will use, depending on the severity of that ear, a mig per kick of steroid, you know, per day, maybe even like one and a half. Um, you know, I've gotten higher in the anti-inflammatory dose, even up to immunosuppressive doses, just to kind of get to the point of opening up that ear canal. It doesn't have to be for very long, you know, three, four five days, and then have them start tapering, but just enough that you can really open it up and make that pet more comfortable. So let's say we've had a case, we've sent them home on, you know, a week, week and a half of steroids, they've come back, you know, we got 50% opening of that ear canal and now better resolution. Um, so then I'm, I'm going to take my sample and also kind of set up the expectation for the owner of, we need to know why this is happening. So as far as treating those infections, we want to realistically get that owner to be able to flush the ear when we can. Sometimes in that first exam, I can't have them flush quite yet. If they're uncomfortable, we'll try to do something like uh, in clinic flush, but sometimes even though we can see a little bit better in that ear, um, it may still be difficult for the owner to actually flush at home. But remember the type of flush, and I've done lots of podcast episodes on this really matters. So if it's something like a rod infection, I'm going to want something that has Tris EDTA in it to break down biofilm, to help uh, antibiotic pen penetration with my topical therapy. Um, if I have a lot of cocci, maybe I want something with chlorhexidine in it. I mean, the, we're predominantly going to see bacteria in these cases, though you can still get some pretty bad yeast infections too that can cause, you know, swelling of the ear canal. But also I need to kind of make a decision at that point if I need to do something like a deep ear flush with my video otoscopy unit, if it's more open, but there's a lot of biofilm and discharge in there, um, educating the owner of topical therapy, how we're going to administer it, make sure we get it all the way deep into that ear canal. Are we to the point that we feel like it is necessary to use systemic antibiotics? And as we've talked about on past uh, episodes of the podcast, ear cultures are kind of controversial in veterinary dermatology because of the fact that when you use topical therapy, you are getting way higher concentrations of the antibiotic than what we'd expect to see with that breakpoint or MIC on a culture because the culture is based on serum concentrations of the antibiotic occurring. So I do sometimes in these cases, so I'm a middle of a grounder as far as ear cultures go. I think there still can be benefit to them because it allows us to see what type of bacteria is there, right? I mean, we are still uh, speciating that bacteria. It is a culture insensitivity, the culture being what type of bacteria is there. And we are seeing some newer PCR tests coming out that can speciate those pretty quickly um, that are different than a culture. And then there's a sensitivity standpoint where we actually see here's the antibiotics and is it resistant? Is it sensitive? And, you know, there's lots of things that go into that, that, you know, the very wise uh, clinical microbiologists kind of figure out. But if I'm going to use systemic disease, if I think I have really bad deep horizontal canal disease where I'm kind of concerned, we're not going to get to the point um, of the topical therapy really penetrating that or suspected otitis media. Now remember, just because you stick an ear culture in the ear canal 
doesn't mean you're going to get the a representation of what's in the bola. When we do a videotoscopy and we do a middle ear culture, we know based on studies that they'll culture the middle ear, they'll culture the external ear canal, and we can get different organisms and we can get different sensitivity patterns as well. So ideally you would be collecting a middle ear culture, but I've had situations where either financially or, you know, maybe the pet um, anesthesia is a huge, huge risk where we can't do that. So we'll, we'll do our best to kind of sample the deep horizontal canal um, and, you know, just kind of have to live in the real world and go with that. But we'd want to remove things like the biofilm. We want to decide if we are to the point where topical therapy alone, which in many cases it can, um, can treat the otitis. So if we're to the point where we feel like we need something like a systemic antibiotic for that deep horizontal canal disease or, you know, suspected otitis media. Um, and then ultimately we need to recheck. So what's really important about these cases, there's no magical amount of time that we treat these cases. I know everybody wants to know, well, how long do you treat them for? You know, I treat them for a couple weeks, a few weeks, and I have them come back. I relook at cytology under the microscope because if that ear canal has gotten to the point that at some point in time when they initially came in for their exam, it was completely swollen shut you know, that is serious. And if it wasn't calcified and we were able to totally reverse it, which I have had cases look pretty bad, but they won't be calcified. And I have some amazing before and after pictures of how, you know, much of a difference we can make in these pets between, you know, steroids, really aggressive treatment and figuring out the underlying cause. But that year is going to happen again if we do not recheck to assure the infection's gone. Um, Make sure it hasn't changed from bacteria to yeast. Look at the quantity. Maybe it is substantially better, but maybe there are still some rods in there. And so we need to extend our treatment. Maybe the pet's feeling better because we put them on steroids and started treatment. But maybe when we look under the microscope, the quantity of bacteria actually hasn't changed much at all. So we're reevaluating these cases through cytology. We're re-looking into the ear. Sometimes as you actually treat the infection and you open up that ear canal with something like steroids, then all of a sudden you see a foreign body clear as day or a mass clear as day, which you might be suspecting based on the history. Like if you have a unilateral otitis, you know, in a dog who hunts and potentially could have gotten a foreign body in that ear or that 12 year old dog who, you know, all of a sudden develops unilateral otitis and we're worried that there's a mass in that ear. So by doing the treatment, by flushing out that debris, opening up the ear canal with steroids, or if you can't use steroids because the pet has diabetes or hyperadrenocorticism, you know, you can try use something like cyclosporin, but it takes longer. If you utilize that, uh, in those cases to not only treat the infection, but improve your visualization, then we might get a better idea of, is there a primary cause like a mass or a foreign body is the eardrum intact or not, which sometimes is not something we can really evaluate when they first come in, came in. Um, We also want to make sure ulcerations are healing up. If they were present in the ear, say from a pseudomonas otitis that we originally diagnosed and that could cause the ear to get really swollen. So improving that. But then the final thing, of course, is the underlying cause. If we have been able to save an ear by using, you know, steroids, appropriate antibiotics, topical therapy, flushing, we have to have them on some sort of maintenance plan. And of course, if you have something like a foreign body that you remove very quickly and the dog does well, you may not have to do anything else for that dog's life. But if we do have those classic cases of say a bulldog or cocker spaniel that has underlying allergies, 
we have to not only treat the primary cause, the underlying condition, but we may also have to have the animal in some sort of maintenance flushing with a ceruminolytic or something that's going to keep that ear clean. When they have gotten to the point where they have swollen shut, even if we are able to reverse them, sometimes we will get something called failure of epithelial migration, where essentially the little cilia in the ear that helped to bring all the little debris out of the ear in a normal dog quit working. They can get scarred over and not really clean that ear out anymore. And when that happens, basically that earwax kind of gets stuck in there and our ability to flush them long-term is replacing that. And that can be really important. Even if we are treating their underlying condition the appropriate way, they just may be set up for a lifelong maintenance plan with their ear canal disease. And that's why rechecks are important. So we can evaluate that and lessen the chance of recurrent infections and that ear canal kind of shutting down again. So I love otitis and ear canal disease, and I want to give you a clinical situation of something like that, where it's like, I see this, what do I do? Where do I start? And it goes back to a lot of things we we talk about on the podcast, you know, open up the ear canal, identify the infection, decide what is necessary. Hopefully you can manage it topically. Sometimes we do need something like systemic antibiotics, and then it all comes down in dermatology to treating the underlying cause making sure we control that, but don't forget the ability of maintenance flushing in these cases. It can make a huge difference so we can lessen the chance that that ear canal is going to close back up again.